Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to the Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed, and I'm joined, as always, by my man, Mike Luciano. Mike, what's going on, dude? How you doing? I'm feeling pretty good, even though I'm still uh, in the middle of this great Aaron Rodgers to and fro, where it is literally to the day been three weeks, and we have no resolution. Woohoo! Nothing. Still in this holding pattern. Uh, there has been a development, quote-unquote, if you want to call it a development, depending on how valid it is. We will get to that. As always, thank you guys for watching us on YouTube, downloading the podcast. We love all that support. Thank you guys so much. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Also, when you go to YouTube at the Jet Press, make sure you hit that little bell up in the top right so that way you get notified whenever we go live. We have quite the show for you guys today. We wish that we could finally talk about Aaron Rodgers' actually getting traded to the Jets. That has not happened yet. Instead, we got more rumor mongering. And here in the Jet Press, we consider ourselves purveyors of Jets truth. We <laughs> want to give you things that are honest and most importantly, things that are real and not made up fantasy scenarios that have no basis in reality. Craig Carton does not deal in these same truths. Craig Carton will sometimes fly off his rocker and say something completely outrageous, coincidentally on times where he has a TV show, potentially to get people to watch it. Isn't that funny? So on his show, on Fox Sports 1, he comes out and says that the San Francisco 49ers have reportedly made an offer, or rather will be ready to make an offer for Aaron Rodgers if this whole thing with the Jets ends up falling through. And boy, the Packers writers out there, they were loving this. Oh, we got more leverage. We're going to ruin the Jets. Blah, 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 blah. It's, it's a fun fantasy to have. This is just one of the most preposterous, nonsensical rumors that I have ever heard cover jet, Jets related in the last couple of years. It's, it really doesn't make any sense. Let's just walk through. Let's at least just do it logically, and then we can just get into it. Let's just look at the logic thing. The Niners have no cap room. So they would have to either, they have to completely gut their roster, even get this dude on. They have been very open about the fact that it is Brock Purdy and Trey Lance with Purdy having a slight edge and he's going to be the guy. So they are not looking to add a quarterback right now. And 
they don't have any picks before number 99 overall. Now, Carton has said that the package would be centered around a lot of those compensatory picks that they got for guys like Robert Sala and Mike McDaniel, which are at the end of the third round. So like 99, I think 101, 102 back-to-back, and then a pick next year. That's not as valuable as what the Jets are offering. And I hate to give this validity by responding to it like this and tearing it down like this, but you, you people need to know this is not a thing that is happening. This is complete whimsy. I think it's fun. It's almost fun to talk about at this point. Cause like we've been saying it on the show for weeks, not just us, everybody, Aaron Rodgers is going to be traded to the jets. It's going to happen. It's not a matter of if it's a matter of when it will happen, hopefully before the draft. And then all of a sudden this week, uh, it wasn't used yesterday, I believe. Craig Carton, of course, says that the 49ers are uh, ready to make an offer for Aaron Rodgers, essentially. I don't want to be the person that says somebody's lying or making something up. I don't want to do that. I don't know what his motivations are, and I'm not going to assign motivations to him. Maybe he's just fed wrong information. But what I can say is that that's not that's not true. Like logistically, it doesn't make any sense. Financially, it doesn't make any sense. The 49ers aren't going to come out now in the beginning of April and suddenly show interest in Aaron Rodgers, despite the fact the fact that for months they didn't. No other team, in fact, other than the Jets, has showed interest in trading for Aaron Rodgers. A serious interest because there's a lot of baggage to take on with Aaron Rodgers. Of course, this is a very unique situation. So it's it's just the Jets. It has been just the Jets. It's still just the Jets. Like you mentioned, Mike. The 49ers have $3 million in cap space. They also don't have the same level of flexibility that the Jets currently do. They also have to pay Nick Bosa very soon. So there's a lot of situations there where they don't really have the, the luxury, even if they wanted to, to trade for Aaron Rodgers. And that's why, for the last few months, they haven't wanted to. Not to mention, like you, well, I should also, before I get to that, I'll say the draft picks stuff, right? I tweeted this out earlier. If you combine all 11 draft picks that the 49ers have in the 2023 NFL draft, Using the Jimmy Johnson trade chart, it would be the equivalent of the 53rd overall pick. The Jets hold picks 42 and 43, right? Presumably, one of those is going in the Rodgers trade. If the holdup amongst the Packers or Packers fans or whoever is that the Jets aren't giving enough 2023 draft capital, the 49ers literally can't give more than the Jets. Like, If you combine every single pick that they have in this draft, which they're not going to trade every pick, and you put that in one package, it still wouldn't be more than either of the Jets' two second-round picks. So like in terms of compensation, they, they're not, they don't, they can't stand up to what the Jets can do, right? Like they don't, they can't offer the same thing. And then not to mention, you go back to Aaron Rodgers in February, two months ago, almost two months ago to the day, Aaron Rodgers was golfing in something. I forget. I don't know what it was, but they asked him, Hey, you know, get, could you share any news with us, Aaron Rodgers? And he said, yeah, I'm not going to San Fran. He specifically noted that he is not going to the 49ers. The, the team he hates because they picked Alex Smith over him when he thought he was going to go number one. Now he's going to go buddy up with – even if they – you could just wave a magic wand and they had all the assets and the flexibility and everything you need. He hates the Niners. They beat him in the playoffs a lot. Now you want to join up? That that wouldn't make any sense. No sense. It makes no sense. The, I don't, the 49ers have seemingly no interest in trading for Aaron Rodgers because they haven't had all, all season. Even if they did have any interest, they wouldn't have the, the assets required to make a trade happen, or at least it would be a lot more strenuous on them than it would be the Jets. And then Aaron Rodgers not only has publicly said that he wants to play for the Jets, he's publicly said that he's not playing for the 49ers. So it's like every possible uh, uh, thing you could put into this, right? Every Everything that could, you know, be put in and say why this isn't going to happen is there. Like, there's no actual logic behind it. So again, I'm not going to say Craig Carton or whoever is making anything up. I'm not going to say that, you know, I'm not going to assign motivation. I'm just going to say I don't believe it. 
I don't think anybody should believe it. I know Packers fans, like you mentioned, and Packers writers or analysts, whatever you want to call it, are kind of running with this. And there's articles being written. Oh, what they're going to what can the 49ers trade for Aaron Rodgers? And it's just why it's just people producing content for the sake of content. I know that's hypocritical because we're producing content right now. We're talking about it, but Hey, look, we're not perfect. We're producing right? content for a reason, for education. This is a public yeah. service. We should be getting taxpayer funded because we are educating the masses that this line of inquiry should not be pursued any further. <laughs> that's a very this grandiose is, this is way just, of saying what we do. <laughs> we're running a Jets podcast, but yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, if you think it's all in the mindset, Justin, <laughs> and that's true. The, this is just one side, most of the Packers side, just trying to find some way to get. I'm going to use the word. This is the bad word that we don't like using. Leverage. Okay. I, I I said it. You can unclose your ears. Like, you can bring the kids back in the room. I said leverage. So as we've said before, there is no leverage for either side. It's a weird situation. I can't remember anything like it, but that's the scenario we're in. He wants to go to one team. The team he wants to go to wants him. There is no competition for him, and the team he is on wants to get rid of him. That all leads to one outcome. It's like Doctor Strange in Avengers. Just the one possible future where Aaron Rodgers ends up with the Jets. Everything else, like, oh, we could get leverage. This is this is the same Jets looking at Lamar Jackson thing. It's people grasping at straws, trying to find some way to get over on the other party. Like, I get that Packers fans and Packers meet like they want some way to really just extract that first round pick out of the Jets and really hold their feet over the coals here. I don't see it happening. If this is the attempt, if a Packers front office guy leaked this to Carton, you see, I don't want to challenge Carton's professionalism. I don't think he's just straight up lying. But if a Packers front office guy leaked this to him, that that is not a great attempt to get leverage Packers. That's what happens when your team is owned by 50,000 different guys. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, there's this is this is like there's no update this is like this entire Aaron Rodgers situation is a media nightmare in some ways and I can speak for that as someone who literally writes about the Jets for for a living right it would have been amazing if this deal got happened right in free agency the Jets got to do you know make all the free agency moves that they're going to do really this has been a a, an incredibly other than the Rodgers stuff quiet offseason for the Jets and even with the Rodgers stuff it's like it's just kind of been the same stuff over and over again right like this uh, the Jets have had to do, or I, I, I can I can say it this way: the Jets have done half of what they have to do in free agency to this point. Like they still have to make a, a, a bunch of moves to clear space for Aaron Rodgers. They're still looking at free agents, which we'll get into in a moment. They're still going to make other moves, and they're, we're already in the beginning of April. Like this is stuff that normally happens in the first and second week of free agency. The Jets just haven't done it yet. They haven't had the possibility, or they haven't had the the opportunity to do it because they haven't had the Aaron Rodgers trade go through you know from someone like Corey Davis who I don't believe is going to be on the week one roster we talked about him last week normally he'd be gone by now you don't normally keep a guy around until the beginning of April if you're not keeping him on the roster but he might be a part of the Aaron Rodgers trade so they're on hold there they're on hold with other positions as well because they're still trying to create the the financial flexibility and they can they just need to figure out the Aaron Rodgers trade first so it's been a weird offseason. It's definitely been a media nightmare trying to cover the Aaron Rodgers stuff. And I bet that that's why you see stuff like this get coming out, right? That's Craig Carton reporting this. Everyone's going to run with it because, oh, it's a new thing we could talk about the Aaron Rodgers thing, which, again, hypocritical. We're doing that too. Uh, <laughs> but I'll say this, though. 
in terms of free, we'll go to the free agents, right? Because I, I think we've talked enough about Aaron Rodgers. I think we've talked enough about him over the last few weeks. I still have nightmares about Aaron Rodgers. I still call other people I'm talking to Aaron Rodgers. It's it's bad. It's really bad. So I want to talk about Al Woods because the Jets are bringing him in for, him in for a visit on Thursday, uh, I believe. And this is one of those moves, again, that you'd expect the Jets to have addressed this position earlier. And they've tried to. They struck out on Fletcher Cox. They thought they had a deal there before he, at the last moment, returned to Philadelphia. And you can't blame him there. You can't blame the Jets. They had a good deal. Fletcher Cox, I believe he had said it on Chris Long's podcast, that he was very intrigued about the idea of joining Joe Douglas in New York. In fact, when he was talking to, I believe it was Chris Long, uh, he was like, oh, that's basically Philly North, right? That's, That's how they view Joe Douglas. That's how they view the Jets. He was all for it but he didn't want to leave Philadelphia. And that's that's what it came down to. Calais Campbell, I don't know exactly the whole specifics of that situation. What was reported, of course, is he did sign with the Atlanta Falcons. And what was reported is that he had a conversation with Arthur Blank, the owner of the Atlanta Falcons, and that they he basically uh, saw the opportunity for a lot of charitable work, off-field work there. And that's a very important thing for Calais Campbell. I know people will say, oh, well, he could have done that in New York. I don't know. Credit to, Ar- credit to Arthur Blank for being able to persuade Calais Campbell. Either way... He didn't come in for a visit. Al Woods will be in all likelihood because he met today, I believe it was today or yesterday with the Cleveland Browns, uh, and he left without a deal. So the next stop up is the Jets. I believe that's happening tomorrow on Thursday, uh, and we'll see what happens. But absolutely, defensive tackle is a big need for the Jets. Al Woods is a very, very, very good run stuffer, one of the better run defenders in the league at defensive tackle, uh, and he's been doing it for a long time. So I'd very much like them to sign Al Woods. They definitely need to fill the position, and hopefully – Hopefully they can actually finalize a deal with a veteran defensive tackle this time. Now, Al Woods also has interest from Seattle. DK Metcalf recently just saying that they want Al Woods back with the Seahawks, which I get because he was a captain on their defense. So this is a this is a leader. This is a guy who, like, for all the hubbub about the Jets' defense, it's still a young group. I know uh, guys like Sauce Gardner are not defensive linemen. That doesn't mean you can't just pick up stuff through osmosis from Al Woods. So bringing him right in, I think that's part of what made Campbell attractive too was the leadership element. I think Woods can bring that. I don't know how to compare leadership because that's two totally intangible things that you can't really quantify, but I know that you either have it or you don't. Al Woods has it. Now, for those that don't really know Al Woods, just a quick little primer on what he could bring to the table. Uh, He was a fourth-round pick in the 2010 draft, and this guy, he has earned his stripes, man. He has bounced around. New Orleans, Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Indianapolis, kind of just a wandering Ronin, a nomad who just shows up and plays high-level, replacement-level one-tech and no-tech snaps, and then he just goes to another team. Uh, Seattle recently has been one of his best stops in his career. Uh, Last two years, he's had 89 tackles and and three-and-a-half sacks. Now, it sounds good, but Al Woods is really not going to offer you anything as a Pass, as a pass rusher he is a big space eater strong dude who can take up multiple blockers he's not really going to get to the quarterback so don't expect it luckily you have Quinn and Williams who does that all the time very easily so that negative is sort of balanced out uh Woods does seem like a bit of an odd fit as a defensive tackle on a four down lineman scheme like the Jets are going to run but they just need run stuffers that badly. Like Solomon Thomas, I like the guy. He's not a starting defensive tackle in this league. When you look at him stuff on the run, he can do some things well. John Franklin Myers, I think, could be a pretty good interior defensive tackle, but then you lose the ability to move him around, which I think Robert Sala really likes doing. Al Woods just makes a ton of sense for a guy who's also cheap, 
because the Jets know that once they get Aaron Rodgers and once they maybe get a certain wide receiver contract finalized, who we might mention later on this show, whose name rhymes with uh, Grodell, if they get that finalized, then they're going to have to do some bargain bin shopping. They're going to have to go down. They can't go shop at Neiman Marcus for the defensive tackles. So Al Woods is not going to cost a ton to bring in, and he'll give you some good solid snaps. I, I really don't see a problem with that. And I don't think that precludes them from drafting somebody. I still think they will, even if they get Al Woods, but he's definitely nice to have. Agreed. I think I said this last week on the show when we were talking about potential defensive tackle options. I, I pointed out Al Woods. We, we pointed out Sean Robinson. It surprises me a little bit, and it surprised me in a good way, that the Jets are going after somebody of Al Woods like that, that basically has the body type and the the the, the, the skill set, I guess, of Al Woods. He's a true run stuffer, like a true one-tech nose tackle run stuffer, which is really not something that Robert Sala has had a lot in his defenses, whether in San Francisco or here, here, even if someone like DJ Jones in San Francisco is a pretty nimble guy. He can, he can provide some value as a pass rusher. He's smaller than, than Al Woods and he's more athletic. Al Woods is a true run stuffer. The dude is going to be 36. I believe this year is he turning 36 or oh, no, he just turned 36, just turned 36, just turned 36. So he is old. Like he's not only old, but he is just, he's just a big run stuffer, which is just not what I thought would be, a great fit in the the attacking four three scheme that that Sal runs, but I think it's exactly what the Jets need, and I've been saying that since last offseason when they when they let Foley Fadakasi walk. Now Fadakasi had a really bad year in Jacksonville, and I think he was hampered by injuries. Um, but that's really the role that the Jets kind of needed to fill last year, and they didn't. They brought in Solomon Thomas, who you know was was a fine backup defensive tackle, I guess. But between Quinn Williams and Sheldon Rankins, I know Quinn is is honestly he's elite at pretty much everything. He's still a better pass rusher than a run defender, but he's still he's a good run defender but they didn't have anyone else that was that could fill that role Shepard did it a little bit last year Nathan Shepard but I'd like somebody in that starting line in that in that front four that could play on first and second down and just stuff the run because they did not have that last year they had it with Foley Fadakasi and then when he left they didn't have it so I assumed they were going to go after someone more like a a Matt Ioannidis to replace Sheldon Rankins because that's kind of more in that you know, same same skill set, better pass rusher, pretty athletic guy. Instead of going out there, Al Woods, and I like it. I think it's a good fit. I think that's exactly what they need. And I also agree with you that I don't think it precludes them at all from drafting a defensive tackle in the draft. I do think that's actually something they would do because you need four guys there to rotate. And right now, you have Quinnen and Solomon Thomas. So even if you add Al Woods, I would love to see them add maybe a three tech pass rusher on like day two or day three, someone to develop behind Quinnen, provide some extra value. We know that Robert Sala loves deep defensive lines. He knows he loves to rotate, so it would make sense for them to also draft and uh, target the position in the draft. I want to get to a comment by Lou Han. I hope I'm pronouncing that right on Facebook. Uh, like the like Lou Kang, Lou Han, and uh, he says uh, Quinn and Jefferson of Seattle is another good cheap fit. Uh, we talked about this on last show. I'm not really a huge fan of bringing in Quinn and Jefferson. It's he's an okay player. He's definitely a much better pass rusher uh, than Al Woods is. The problem being he really is not a great run stuffer at this point in his career. And whereas Al Woods obviously is getting older, I feel like he's kind of aged gracefully. And we've seen some space eaters like that actually play well into their advanced age. I know he's nowhere near this level, but like Haloti Nada was in like his mid-30s and was still playing at a near elite level. Like that's one of those positions where you can get a guy at that sort of age as long as the space is there, like a Vince Wilfork before he went to Houston. Mm. Obviously he's not this level, but just on principle – some guys can do that well. Quentin Jefferson, I think I saw – I know the sacks were up, 
but he also was losing playing time. He wasn't really starting as much. I just don't think right now he's the best fit for the Jets. He's a decent player. I just think schematically there's better guys like Al Woods. Yeah, I'd be cool with Jefferson as as your third defensive tackle. Like if that's if their plan is, hey, we're going to bring in we're going to bring in Al Woods and Quentin Jefferson. I'm cool with that. I think with Jefferson starting alongside Quentin Williams, you'd be giving up too much in that in that run defense. Uh, where you know, Al, whereas Al Woods, the complete opposite. I think they'd be good um, complements essentially to each other. But I, I, I'm with you on Quentin Jefferson. I. I'm fine with it if they add him, but I don't necessarily want him as your every down defensive tackle starter, especially on first and second down. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Now let's go to somebody who might have the most different playing style in the league to Al Woods, and that is Miko Hardman. NFL's a great league because you could be 6'4", 330 and start, and you could be 5'10", 180 and start. That's what's great about it. They're a side of the ball. I get it. Eh, be quiet. Analogy works. <laughs> so the Chets bring in Miko Hardman on a one-year $6 million deal, or I think max is six and a half if everything yeah. everything goes right. They bring in Hardman, who right now is the wide receiver three. That's subject to change, but right now Garrett Wilson is the unquestioned one. Alan Lazard, nice four-year deal from Green Bay, is number two, and Hardman is number three. Now, there's been some rumors with Odell Beckham. We mentioned on a couple other shows that the Odell links are getting stronger. It seems almost inevitable uh, at this point because there, it just seems like the Jets are in on Odell. He kind of has interest in there. A lot of smoke point in there. But the Jets did are very high at Hardman, so much so that Rich Samini, ESPN, uh, one of his latest pieces, said that, quote, Hardman signed with the Jets in part because they promised he'd be able to expand his route tree in their offense. In Kansas City, he was used the line of scrimmage, jet sweeps, bubble screens, etc., and on vertical routes, not much in between. The Jets believe he has untapped ability on intermediate routes. And the Jets, I think, are 1,000% correct there. Not to say that obviously playing with Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy and Patrick Mahomes is a limiting offensive experience for any player. That is not at all what we are saying. It's just tough to really – like they obviously had to – prioritize guys like Travis Kelsey. They still have the running game. They had Tyree Kill when he was there. Obviously, Hardman, an identical player, is not going to get the Tyree Kill treatment. They had to make sure guys like Juju Schmitz, Smith, Schuster, holy crap, man, that is, say that five times fast. <laughs> make sure guys like Juju ended up getting the ball in their hands. So yeah, Hardman at times was kind of underutilized. Now, if he comes to the Jets, I don't think he's going to be catching 100 passes a year, but I wouldn't mind seeing Hardman early on in an enhanced role. I know that I have some questions about how it's going to last long-term, but if this is how they're planning to use him, I think it's going to be very fun to watch because as we've said before, you can make guys, you can teach guys some technique. You can do stuff like that. You can make them a little bit faster. You can't teach that level of insane speed that he has him on a crossing route over the middle. Forget about it. No one's keeping up with them. Maybe two, three corners are keeping up with him. Yeah, and that's like a staple of Nathaniel Hackett's offense is those crossing routes over the middle. So I'm, I'm definitely excited to see how Hackett utilizes him. I guess my one question with it is just 
how much, like how many snaps is he going to get? How much playing time is he going to get? Because assuming the Jets add Odell Beckham, which I don't think it's a done deal, but hope like it sounds like it's still likely to happen. Even if they don't, maybe they still have Corey Davis. Maybe they add another wide receiver. I think it's likely that Nicole Harbin is your wide receiver four, which is a good thing. That's good. I don't want him as a wide receiver three. I'd much rather have him as your wide, wide receiver four. But if that's the case, how many snaps is he getting? Like, I don't know how many, how many wide or four wide receiver sets the Jets are going to run, especially when they have both CJ Uzama and Tyler Conklin. Um, there's rumors they could address, you know, tight end in the draft. You still have Jeremy Ruckert. There's a lot of guys in that offense, a lot of mouths to feed. That said, I do want to see what Nicole Hardman can do when he's not just either running verts or, or you know, doing jet sweeps. I definitely think they can utilize that speed in the underneath passing game, not just in the, the screens or whatever. But I think, like you said, crossers over the middle. I think that'd be perfect for him. Run a little mesh concept, do stuff like that. I think that's a great way to get him out in open space. Let him use that speed and, and, you know, hopefully expand his role, expand his route tree, because it seems like that was one of the reasons he wanted to sign with the jets is because they had promised him and they said, Hey, we think you have untapped potential. We're going to utilize you in a way that maybe Kansas city didn't utilize you because they had Travis Kelsey and, you know, they had Juju Smith-Schuster. I said it correctly. Uh, <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. I had to throw it out there. Um, but yeah, I, I do think I'd like to see him in that expanded role. My, my one question is just, I don't know how much playing time he's going to get, which is a good thing because he's a good player. You know, obviously injuries can happen too, but in a perfectly healthy wide receiver group and tight end group, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to get any more than like 10, to, you know, 10 to 12 snaps. I have a really odd time figuring out what how the Jets value Miko Hartman because they're talking about him like somebody that's going to be not a focal point of their offense, but somebody that's going to get a ton of big targets every single game, which I guess with a guy with that kind of speed, you wouldn't mind chucking one extra deep throw to him a game or trying to get him the ball in his hands really quickly. I get that. But they also gave in a in a time when wide receivers are getting insane money, and I really like this player a lot. But let, Christian Kirk got eighteen million dollars a year. I know he performed extremely well with Jacksonville, but that is a ton of scratch for Christian Kirk. Miko Hardman gets one years with a max of six million. That doesn't seem like a premium investment, especially a couple years after they got Corey Davis with for much more, over ten million dollars. Alan Lazard got eleven. So I'm really confused. Like, is Miko just like the the souped up Braxton Berrios guy who's going to be, you know, returns and so, like he's obviously going to do some of that in addition to this role they promised. Is that what they signed him to do? Did they sign him to be the straight up wide receiver three? Is he going to be on par with Lazard? I don't. I'm getting very mixed signals about that. My assumption when they signed him, which of course was the same day they traded Elijah Moore, so that was a whole that was a mess of a day. But my assumption when they when they signed him was that he was going to be wide receiver four and basically replace Braxton Berrios. That was my assumption. I don't like. I know that Samini's report says that they want him to have an expanded role, and I'm sure that's what the Jets told him. I want to see that happen before I actually like before I can commit to saying that that's going to happen. Like I, I need to see it to believe it essentially because. Again, I just don't know how many snaps there's going to be. That being said, as a replacement for Braxton Berrios, Berrios had a cap hit of $8 million this year. Uh, Miko Hardman's cap hit is under $2 million this year. That's that's a It's an incredible deal for the Jets. Now, they have $2 million on, uh, of his – they have $2 million they're probably going to take on in dead cap next year because his contract voids. Um, but even still, that's a really good deal. Like They got him for a less than $4 million in total cap hit. 
Um, so I, I think they obviously did a good job there. They saved money essentially by cutting Barrios and replacing him with Hardman. I don't know if he's going to get more than you know a few 10 to 12 snaps a game, but also it's never it never hurts to have that much depth. And I'm sure the Jets are gonna have wide receiver injuries. They have injuries, you know, everybody gets injuries, right? Every team gets injuries. The wide receiver unit is not gonna stay healthy the whole year. So even if they do add Odell Beckham, even if they do keep Corey Davis or add another receiver elsewhere, I still think Nicole Harbin is gonna have a role. But I, I will say I'll believe it when I see it about the expanded role, although I am intrigued. I want to go back to Lou and Chad again. Kind of an interesting comment where he says, everybody keeps saying we have all these receivers. Technically, we really don't have anybody, or none rather, but a promising rookie, which I guess is Garrett Wilson going into the second year. Uh, firm disagree, respectfully on that. Firm disagree. Uh, I'm very high on Alan Lazard as a wide receiver too. I think he's an incredible blocker for a receiver. I like his red zone potential. And again, Aaron Rodgers is coming. The two have tremendous rapport, and they're running an offense that they know. So Lazard is a perfectly fine wide receiver, too. Not every wide receiver, too, has got to be Randy Moss. You don't have to be Chris Carter Randy Moss to have an above-average receiver room. We both like Hardman if utilized properly. And while we have our doubts about Odell, I mean, he's still better than – he's still an above-average receiver for all of the the problems that come along with signing him. So we're both very bullish on the Jets wide receiver room. Yeah, I also think – calling Garrett Wilson a promising rookie is underselling him, like significantly underselling him because Garrett Wilson, I would say right now is a legitimate top 15 receiver in football. Uh, that's, that's how good he was last year. I don't think that that's a bold take. I think a lot of people that are, aren't even Jets fans would agree with that. And that was with the worst quarterback play in the NFL. When he has Aaron Rodgers thrown in the ball, I would love to see what he could do. I want to see him put up 1300 yards like i want to see him break jets records like, i think he has the talent to do that he is a true wide receiver one i will say though the rest of the wide receiver room i'm le- i think i'm less bullish on it than you i think it's it's fine it's a perfectly acceptable wide receiver room right now and when you throw in that you have Brees hall tyler conklin cj Ozama, it's a good skill position group that that's a as a whole that's a good skill position group the wide receiver group if if your wide receiver your, your top four wide receivers are Garrett Wilson, great. Alan Lazard, Odell Beckham, Nicole Harbin. If that's assuming they do sign Odell Beckham, if that's your four wide receivers, I think that's really good depth. I don't think like I think I'm a little lower on Alan Lazard than you are. I think he's a low end wide receiver too. I, I think that that's where I'd put. It. I think he's a high end wide receiver three. And I said this back before the Jets even signed him. And I think he's a low end wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three. I think he's right around where Corey Davis is in in that same mold. Um, Part of me thinks Davis is a little better than Lazard, but that's Jets fans don't like that. They're not oh, going to like that. Oh, oh, what have you done, Justin? <laughs> I think I said that before. I think Corey Davis had a lot of really bad luck with the Jets. Um, now, Certainly. what what we've seen from Corey Davis over the last two years, you'd hope Lazard is better than that. I just think Corey Davis is better than what we've seen from Corey Davis over the last two years. I think the drops were an anomaly because he didn't have the drop issues this past year. The injuries are the biggest thing for me, and that's why I, I, I'm very much in favor of signing Alan Lazard over Corey Davis, you know, over keeping Corey Davis. Because if you're saying they're about the same value, but Corey Davis has missed half his games with the Jets, that's huge. Like, you need somebody that can stay healthy. But as a player, I think Corey Davis is just a better route runner. Like, I think that that's where I'd say um, he's a little better. But Well, I also think Corey Davis got spooked a little bit. I mean, he comes from Western Michigan and the Titans yeah. as mostly a number two receiver. Then he has to go be a number one receiver with the New York Jets. I mean, that's a big step up in terms of what you have to handle off the field. And I think part of that got to him a little bit. 
yeah. that, that's just that, that's just my connecting the dots. Yeah, uh, it's, it's definitely fair, and I think that's he. I, if he stayed healthy this past year, I think he would have had a really good year, especially after everything that happened with Elijah Moore and he kind of fell out of the offense. I think Corey Davis obviously would have been hampered by 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 a quarterback play, right? Because the quarterback play was really bad. But I think he still would have had a pretty good year because he had I think he had one drop this past year. Uh, he was he was playing well. He was he was one of the best third down receivers in football before he got hurt. He was playing really well. So I obviously injuries just they 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 derailed his career with the Jets. But either way, looking at the wide receiver room as a whole, I think it's fine. I think it's acceptable. If you get Odell, I think it's a fine wide receiver room. I think it's probably somewhere around middle of the pack, maybe slightly better because you have good depth and you have a true wide receiver one. But I just from two to four or two, two and three would be like, you know what? We'll see. We'll see what they can do. Obviously, we don't know what Odell is. Like, obviously, Odell Beckham, if he gives us 80% of the player he was like four years ago, then it's a great wide receiver room. Then I'm all for that. I just don't, I don't know, even know if he was given the Browns 80% of what he was with the Giants, let alone. Yeah, well, I'm saying even when he was with the Browns, he was still, he still had a 1,000 yard season with the Browns. So even if he's 80%, apparently, that was more like 1,005. Still, I, I, if that's your <laughs> wide receiver too, that's great. Like, even if you're getting 80% of that, I think that's a good wide receiver too. I, I, I think he would be, I think he'd be better than Lazard in that case. I'm just not confident you're going to get that from, from Odell Beckham. I'm not confident he's going to stay healthy. But wide receiver room as a whole, it's, it's all right. But Mike, let's talk about Odell. Let's talk about Odell because Odell Beckham, there's a lot of connections to the Jets, the Aaron Rodgers apparent wish list. I know they got swatted down, but I have a feeling that that particular name would not have gotten out there unless somebody wanted it out there. The Jets have met with him in the past. They've shown interest in adding more receivers. Odell goes back to New York, albeit, granted, not with his original team. A lot of stuff makes sense there. But he's not the only guy, or the only the only Jets are the only team, rather, that have interest in Odell. The Baltimore Ravens have offered Odell a contract. Now, this whole idea of what Odell wants is really screwy, and we really don't have any clarity on it because we heard that Odell originally wanted what, like twenty million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Now it's down to fifteen million. Odell, I love the guy. I don't think he's going to be a veteran minimum kind of guy. He's going to want something. Because I think at his best, while I question how consistently he can get to his best and how much he will get to his best with the Jets, he can still make some terrific catches. I mean, he was the number two receiver on a Super Bowl team just a year and a half ago. Now, blew out his knee on top of that. You got to consider that. But that happened. Can't just pretend it didn't happen. So he's looking at Baltimore, and this this confuses me because if you're saying, all right, I want to go play for a team that has Lamar Jackson, and now as I believe Todd Munkin took the offensive coordinator job. Yes. So that is going deep or chucking bombs as vertical as you can get offensively. Receivers would be tripping over themselves to go play for that. I mean, that's a perfect situation. But Lamar Jackson – Wants out of Baltimore. Who, by the way, Lamar? So this is just. I'm going to veer off the course here. Lamar, look into the camera if you're watching the show. <laughs> Hire an agent, please, to resolve that. Look, I know that you love your mother, and I know she's a fantastic woman. Th- this is not a situation where you and your mother know better right now than. All these different, this is what agents do for a living. Your mom can do a lot of great stuff to help with your career. Your business partners can do a lot of great stuff to help with your career. For this one specific instance, get a guy. You can fire him after you get your contract. For this one thing, get a guy. Okay. 
now that now that that is done, Lamar Jackson wants out of Baltimore. If he leaves, you're left with what? Either Tyler Huntley or whomever they get in a potential trade back, which the options look very limited right now. We, some of that might be owner collusion. Some of that might just be a general lack of interest. If he goes to the Jets, Aaron Rodgers, Garrett Wilson taking pressure off him from the defensive end, Brees Hall so they're not just throwing the ball all the time. They have a balanced attack. I think a better path to the playoffs, certainly, with Aaron Rodgers as opposed to Lamar, who I love the guy, but he's brittle. He can get hurt a little bit, or Tyler Huntley. I certainly think Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback at this point and would be at, on a better team with the Jets than out of that situation right now. Like I, I just don't get why Odell would pick Baltimore over the Jets if he's considering Baltimore. The Jets, to me, look like a home run com- when compared to one another. I think it all comes down to money. I think that's what it comes down to. That's what it comes down to in life. That's often what it comes down to in football. I think Odell Beckham wants to play for the Jets. He's made that pretty clear. Aaron Rodgers wants him here. The Jets want him here. Maybe because Aaron Rodgers wants him here. But either way, they want him here. Beckham, by all accounts, wants to play for the Jets. And that's what the report has been for for weeks, if not months, that he's leaning towards signing with the Jets. He wants the Jets. It's just about me- meeting you know, that that happy medium for both sides. They need to reach a price point that they both agree on. Right now, they appear to be, I don't know, a decent amount apart. I, that's that's my indication that I'm getting is that they're not super close on terms. Uh, now, I know that the report from Rich Samini said that that Rod, or Beckham was looking for like somewhere around a one-year $15 million year, which, deal, which, yeah, no thanks. Um, but Beckham, that's insane. I would not, I'd be very upset if the Jets pay that, and I don't think the Jets would pay that. That said, Beckham, for the second time this offseason, has refuted that. He replied to a tweet. I think it was from everyone's favorite, Dove Kleiman, uh, where he just replied He replied to it and said, Mystery man, Dove Kleiman. Yeah, exactly. And he replied to it. And he's like, I don't know where people are getting these reports from, right? I don't know where you know these these reports are coming from. So previously uh, to the the report that you'd mentioned before that said that Odell Beckham was looking for a contract anywhere between 15 and $20 million, uh, per season, that was earlier in the offseason. And he replied to that saying, I'm not asking for $20 million. But he also said in that same report, I'm just saying that four million is disrespectful, or something along those lines. He said four million is not enough, is what the the point was. So obviously, he thinks he's worth. I'd imagine at least double that. That's my so guess. Somewhere between four and twenty, you know, very <laughs> right. Or even very, very yeah, similar. I, I, I think it's below fifteen as well, given his his most recent thing. Unless he's lying, I don't know. But that's if we're going to believe Odell Beckham, which is fair. I think I think he would know what's going on in his contract negotiations. Uh, it sounds like it's my guess. Somewhere around $12 million is what he's asking for. And I don't think the Jets want to pay that. I think the Jets would be more willing to do seven, eight million tops, maybe with some incentives, you know, added on. Uh, maybe, maybe they could even add some void years like they did with Mecole Hardman as a way of just decreasing that cap hit in 2023 because they're pretty tight against the cap right now. I know they have the flexibility to obviously they can cut Corey Davis, they can restructure a couple more contracts, they can restructure CJ Mosley's contract, um, they could potentially extend Carl Lawson and 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 lower his cap it because his cap it is crazy. Like the Jets have options they can they, you know, they have options they could take. But right now they they have nine million in cap space, and like six million of that is going to go to draft picks. So they they're going to need to create space regardless of what they do. And I don't think they want to pay ten, twelve, thirteen million, whatever to Odell Beckham. So it's really just going to come down to a price point. I think Odell Beckham wants to play for the Jets. I think the Jets want Odell Beckham to play for the Jets. It's just going to come down to where's the middle ground. Like I do want to ask you, if, if unless it's you know the same as what I'm saying, what do you think 
is a good price point. What would you want to pay for Odell Beckham that you think is reasonable that maybe he would accept? Honestly, if you structure it similar to the way Michael Hardman's contract is, and maybe the max is like seven, eight, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be opposed to that. The, mm-hmm. the weird thing about Odell is if you just, if he wasn't named Odell Beckham, if this was just like, you know, Steve Johnson, or not yeah, <laughs> Steve Johnson. Steve Johnson. Nice. <laughs> All right. Bob Johnson. His name was just, you know, DeAndre Hopkins or something. Yeah, all right. Bob Johnson, even though I believe Bob Johnson was a great center for the Bengals. All right. So receiver named Bob Johnson. And he is in his early 30s. And he's coming off another serious ACL injury. But in the past, he's been a pro bowler. And he's made great catches and has great separation. I would be very fine with that. It's like almost like a reclamation project. Like it, it seems very, you know, low risk, high reward. In that, you know, we're not paying him a ton, so if he doesn't work out, we could say, you know what, we tried. We have enough support where if he doesn't perform well, then our receiver room isn't screwed. So I like that idea, but it's Odell Beckham. I, I compared him a couple uh, episodes ago to a guy like Cam Newton, who while Cam Newton hasn't really gotten a backup job, even though I think he's more than deserving of a backup job, I think there's just such a media like hullabaloo around Odell Beckham we saw it at the end in Cleveland. Now, part of that was Baker Mayfield was not playing very well, but like when he's not getting the ball, there's going to be why is Alan Lazard getting the ball over him? Why is Michael Hardman getting the ball over him? And these are things that the Jets can't just make go away. I know that the Jets have, they're okay with the New York media and bobbing and weaving out in between all these different PR things. But if you're contending for a championship, which when you get Aaron Rodgers, you are inherently. And one of the big questions is going to be what the Odell Beckham report, Odell watch, what's Odell doing? How's Odell performing? Why isn't he getting the ball? I think you really have to consider that. And is that really something you want to bring in for a guy who's going to make what, like $7 million for a mat? You can get a ton of really good receivers that may not be as good, but they're not going to bring that with them. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought up Cam Newton there. Cause I actually, I really do like that comparison for a sort of different reason. I think when you look at someone like Cam Newton or Odell Beckham, or even I'll say Ezekiel Elliott, I think is another good example of this. When you were that guy in your career, when you were that dude, when you were one of the best players of your position in the league, you still think you can be that dude later in your career. Mm. I think we see that with Cam Newton. I think Cam, by all accounts, wants a starting job, right? He's not going to get that. He's not going to get any any offers that is guaranteeing him a starting job. I think if he was willing to take a backup job for reasonable money, he would absolutely be in the NFL right now. You know, and I think that's another reason we're seeing Zeke's market be very slow. Ezekiel Elliott went as far as to say, hey, I want to play for these three teams, as if he has the leverage, not to use that word, I'm so sorry, if he has the, the ability <laughs> to say that, right? I don't think Ezekiel Elliott at this stage of his career is it can be that picky and be like, this is my wish list of teams. He's not that guy anymore. Like, that's that's the problem. And it's the same thing with Cam Newton. And it's sort of the same thing with Odell Beckham. And I think that's where you have to reach a middle ground. Because if Odell earlier in free agency was asking for $15 million a year, that's insane for a player, you know, like you mentioned, that has two ACL tears in the same knee in, you know, two ACL tears in the same knee. He has not had a thousand yards since 2019. He hasn't even played in two years. Giving that guy $15 million would be crazy. But Odell Beckham knows he was that guy. He knows he was one of the best wide receivers in football. And he thinks, and maybe, maybe he's right. I don't know, but he believes he can be that guy again. I'm sure he does. And if you're a player in the NFL and you don't believe you could be at your best, you shouldn't be playing anymore. So I don't blame him. 
you know, but that's, yeah, but that's, that's also that. where like, you gotta have like some, some self, uh, what's the word? Self-awareness. Self-awareness. Yeah. I was blanking. You gotta have some self-awareness. You gotta know you're not 1400 yards reaching back one hand. You, you gotta realize that those halcyon days are in the past. As, as Matthew Wilder brings up here, uh, Real quick, I want to make one quick point, and then I'll let Justin uh, take over. Uh, he can't get $8 million and play four or five games because he's hurt. I think we forget, not only did he tear his ACL twice, he tore his ACL twice in consecutive seasons. Yeah, in the same knee. Same knee. Same knee. Like, that's you can't just throw out money to that guy. Oh, the ACL's fine. You have no idea. He can twist weird one way, and then it, there goes ACL number three, and then who knows what's going to happen to Odell. I think the self-awareness you were talking about comes with the market. Like once the market dictates that you're not worth what you think you are, reality sets in. And that's when you start to reach a middle ground. And I think the Jets, I hope the Jets will reach a middle ground because I think the Ravens are going to offer Odell Beckham more money than the Jets. I'm pretty confident in saying that because they desperately need a wide receiver, dude. I, we've been saying that for years, but my God, they didn't need a wide receiver. They have Rashad Bateman and nothing. Like, just nothing. No, no disrespect to Devin DuVernay, James Prochet. Like, they, they got nothing, right? So they they desperately need a wide receiver. I know they could definitely draft one. In the, they could target one in the draft, but they need someone. And I, I think that they're, you know, enamored by Odell. And I'm sure Lamar would love to play with Odell if he was staying in Baltimore, which maybe he is, maybe he's not. Um, so I think they see part of that. But I, I think they would be willing to pay more than the Jets. But like you said from the start, I don't see why Beckham would want to play for the Ravens over the Jets uh, at this stage, especially given all – it's crazy we're saying this, right? The Ravens over the Jets. Given all the instability within the Ravens organization, why wouldn't he want to play for a more stable organization with the Jets? That's a crazy <laughs> statement. Um, but that's – it's true. Like there's a more sta- – other – you know, assuming the Aaron Rodgers trade goes through, you have a stable quarterback situation. You have a good skill position group much better than they have in Baltimore. Uh, I do think the Ravens' offensive line is probably better than the Jets at this stage, but – even still, you know, I don't think Odell Beckham's particularly too concerned about that. So I agree with you. I just, I, the Jets need to find a price point that Odell Beckham can agree on. Hopefully that happens. Hopefully it happens before the draft. I still think it will, but there's a little doubt in my mind that says maybe it won't happen. I want to play a little game really quick as we end the show with some more draft talk with the draft creeping closer. I am going to look at some of the recently published mock drafts who kind of have a good, they some of them have their finger on the pulse, I will say, of what the Jets are going to do. And I want to get Justin's just instant reaction if the Jets take player X at number 13 overall. And as you can imagine, Jets fans, a lot of the top picks are in the trenches. A lot of offensive linemen, a couple of defensive linemen. I want to go first to Lance Zerline, NFL.com, who has the Jets staying at pick number 13, and they are taking, with the 13th pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Broderick Jones, tackle mm. from Georgia. Justin, instant reaction if that happens. I think a lot of people are right if that happens because that's. I feel like no player has been mocked to the Jets more than Broderick Jones, and with, with good reason. He reminds me a lot of Andrew Thomas coming out of Georgia. I, I Maybe it's because they both play for Georgia, but I see a similar ceiling for both of them, and I also think both – we saw it with Thomas. I think Jones might have some struggles early in his career because he's a super high upside player. Like that's, that's the allure with him is those physical traits, those dominant reps that you see, but technically, you know, he's still a little raw and he's pretty inexperienced. I think he had one, maybe one and a half years as a starter, whatever it was. He's pretty inexperienced. 
there's definitely a lack of refinement. But if you're talking about physical upside, I mean, you know, it's obvious. So if the Jets draft an offensive tackle and they, you know, if Joe Douglas says, hey, I want to shoot for the stars again, I want to do what I did with Mekhi Becton, hopefully without the injuries, then I could totally see Broderick Jones being high on their draft board for sure. Now, I like Broderick Jones, but I'm not as high on him as everybody else. I think he's actually OT4 on my draft board. And I just think he's going to take so much time and energy to get to what people think he's going to be. And I don't really know if the jets in a championship contending season are going to have the bandwidth developmentally to put that much time into Broderick Jones. It's similar to Becton where at least with Becton, they had a young team and they were rebuilding and they could work on Makai Becton a lot. Broderick Jones might get thrown into the fire in like a postseason race. And that could be a little sketchy. Now, if he clicks, I mean, he pro bowler every year. He's got that level of strength and physical tools, but I have my doubts about how, if it will click with the Jets. Now, here's the next one, which I think is probably the second most popular pick with the New York Jets and is another offensive lineman with the 13th pick in the 2023 NFL draft. The New York Jets select, according to uh, Gil, there we go, Gilberto Manzano of Sports Illustrated, the Jets will select Paris Johnson, tackle from Ohio State. That happens, Justin. Is the reaction? I'm thrilled. I am thrilled. Paris Johnson is my favorite tackle in this class. He's my favorite target for the Jets right now. I believe I've said that on a show before. Um, I think it's it's kind of like a best of both worlds situation where if you look at the top, you know, the, the supposed top three tackles. I know Broderick Jones is apparently your tackle, your your fourth favorite tackle, but the big three in this class are Jones, Paris Johnson, and Peter Skaronsky. I think with Skaronsky, you get the best high floor guy, where I think I'm very confident this guy's going to be a long-term starter in the NFL, whether it's at guard or tackle. I'm pretty confident he's going to be a good player for a long time. Roger Jones, you're shooting for the stars. You're hoping that this dude hits and he becomes an all-pro, but maybe he's Greg Robinson. Like, we don't know, right? Maybe, maybe he's Greg Robinson. I think Paris Johnson is the best combination of those two. I think his ceiling is legitimately all pro. I think if he hits, he can be an all pro. And I think he has a higher uh, higher floor than Broderick Jones does as well. He's more experienced. He also has experience playing guard. So you have the versatility there where you can potentially play him at guard if they need if they need to. I'm not sure the Jets would have a need to do that, especially if they're keeping Elijah Vera Tucker at guard. It doesn't seem like they're they're, you know, gonna have an opening there, but it's a possibility. And that versatility is important. Paris Johnson is my favorite tackle prospect in this class. He's my favorite target for the Jets. I'd be thrilled if they got him at 13. He's my favorite lineman to the point where I've, I've been open about how I don't think offensive tackle may not be the be-all, end-all need for the Jets because I don't know how much of an immediate impact they could have. But if Johnson falls to 13, I completely throw all that out the window because I don't think he'll make it there. But if he does, the, the, the versatility, I think, is really underrated. And it's not like a Peter Skaronsky thing where physically they might have to move him to guard because of his arm lengths. They're trying to force versatility. This guy has proven versatility, mm-hmm. which gives them a huge arrow in their quiver that they can use. Clearly my offensive tackle won. I think he's a top 10 player on my board. Uh, for posterity, I have Paris Johnson, one, Skaronsky, two, Darnell Wright, three from Tennessee. Ooh, okay. Big Darnell. Oh, that dude mauls people. You like me? You, you like Broderick Jones? Check out Darnell Wright, even though he's pretty much limited to right tackle and then Jones four. But Johnson, clearly number one. I'd be thrilled if he was with the Jets. Even if there are some other needs to address, you don't pass on an athlete like that at that position fall into you. You just, you don't do it, especially for Mr. Offensive line, Joe Douglas. That's one you don't overthink. Now we go to CBS, Chris Trapazzo, 
and he has the Jets addressing the defensive side of the ball rather than the offensive side, although it still is the line. It's still a big guy. With the 13th pick, the New York Jets select Kalijah Kansi from Pitt. Justin, reaction. So it depends what the Jets do in free agency. Like, they're bringing in Al Woods. We already talked about that. If the Jets bring in Al Woods and draft Kalijah Kansi, I'm like, whoa, we are really loading up a defensive tackle, right? But it's it's a weird situation because I think I would want them to sign a run stuffer if they did draft Kalijah Kansi because Kansi is, is I mean, I know all the Aaron Donald comparisons. He's an undersized defensive tackle from Pitt who's a super – he's a freak athlete, right? He's a much better pass rusher right now than run stuffer. I, I, he's not a bad run defender necessarily, but obviously he's small. Like that doesn't help him eat up blocks by any means. Um, and if you are trying to develop him to be your long-term starter next to Quinn Williams, I think there's a weird fit there because I, I don't know if, you know, I don't know if Kansi's going to be a three down player with the jets because I don't want him playing first and second down alongside Quinn Williams when you could just, you know, you, you want a better run stuffer in there. Not that Quinn Williams is bad at that, but you want someone like Al Woods eating up blocks next to Quinn Williams to free up Quinn Williams. So it, it'd be a weird fit to me, um, but I, I like it. I, I do like it in the sense that the Jets obviously have a needed defensive tackle, and I like Kalijah Kansi as a prospect. I see the ceiling with him. I see a legitimately uh, potential Pro Bowl player in the future, potential maybe even All-Pro. I don't know if he's going to ever reach Aaron Donald levels, obviously, uh, but I think, he's, I think he's a talented player. He's got um, a lot of athleticism, obviously, and he's a, he's a very talented pass rusher, but kind of a weird fit for the Jets. Depending on what they do in free agency, I'd be okay with it. Not my first choice. My problem with my problem with Cansey is that outliers are outliers for a reason. And yeah. just because Aaron Donald at 280 pounds became an all-pro defensive tackle, one of the best defensive players ever, does not mean every defensive tackle that's that size with a similar level of strength and good explosion explosion numbers are also going to follow that path. Right. I I get I get why Cansey's attractive. Terrific pass rusher, high motor too. This guy plays like his hair's on fire. And Robert Sala, as we've attested before, loves that in his defensive lineman. There are too many plays where for a guy of his caliber, he just got completely washed out of it because of his size. I mean, there are going to be defensive ends that are bigger than him. And he's going to be playing inside. Like, I get that that's, that's where you want to exploit him, to use his speed inside. Like, he, he won with strength a good amount in college just because he's playing collegiate-level athletes. Can a guy who's his level and not like people, Aaron Donald's strong. Aaron Donald, pound for pound, may be the strongest. I mean, he's 280. He benches like he's a guy who weighs 400 pounds. I mean, that's unbelievable play strength, too. And it's functional. It's not just like he's a weightlifter guy. I don't really see that with Cansey. If they got him in round two, I'd be fine with that. I would be okay with that because it means they address somewhere else. I think that's where Cansey's better suited anyway. It's kind of uh, like a high mid two kind of range just because I think his role in the NFL is going to be a lot limited. It's it's that old that old phrase, jack of all trades, master of none. It's like, yeah, you can move Kalaja Kansi to a bunch of different places on the defensive line. Where's he going to dominate? I don't know. And I, if I'm picking a guy at 13. I want him to dominate somewhere. I want him to have one area where he just wipes the floor with people. Roger Jones can do that in the run game. Paris Johnson can dominate because he's an extremely good athlete and he has very good footwork. I don't know if I see that with Kansi. If they use a pick on defensive line at 13, I would not be opposed to that, but I think Cansey might be a little a little too rich there. 
I think the media is higher on Kansi than a lot of the NFL teams are. That's going to be that's my guess. I think people are going to latch on to the Aaron Donald comparisons and be like, "Oh, this is the perfect comparison." I mean, you, I mean, you legit, you could not get a more perfect comparison than like an undersized super athlete defensive tackle out of pit. Like that is that's the best comparison. You're not going to find. Oh, anything. I just thought of a floor option though, Solomon Thomas. Oh, for Kansi, if he doesn't work, and man, yeah, I could see. Uh, yeah, because he's kind of got that like fringe tweener like body type where it's like I, I would be very interested to see what would happen if he cut a few pounds, like if he dropped like 10, 15 pounds and they put him in a rusher. That would I, I don't know. I, I, I would be very interested to see what his NFL trajectory would look like. I don't know if he has the bend for that, but he's a great athlete and I'd love to see it. I'd love to see him try it somewhere. I just don't know if it'll be with the Jets because that's a mighty big gamble to take. That's true. Yeah. And with that, we are going to wrap up the show. Thank you guys so much for watching along on YouTube. We had a lot of Facebook commenters today. Thank you guys so much on Facebook for checking in. As always, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your podcast. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube. Justin, take us home. You didn't. You didn't say overcast, man. I got you. Uh, I did not say overcast. Justin will say it. <laughs> I'll shout it out. Thank you all for joining us on the show today. You can follow Mike on Twitter at by Mike Luciano. You can follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Freed. Follow the Jet Press at the Jet Press. Download the Jet Press podcast wherever you get your podcast: Google Podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Overcast. Also, check us out on YouTube, as Mike just said. Subscribe, like, hit that notification bell. You guys know what to do. We stream live every Wednesday at three PM. Thank you all for listening to the Jet Press Podcast. I've been Justin Freed. That's been Mike Luciano. See you guys next week. See you folks next week. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.